This conference will now be recorded. Welcome to the Big Book Anon workshop. This workshop is this workshop is for members of Al Anon, S Anon, or other Anon fellowships or those interested in the subject matter. We will examine the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous as they can be practiced to solve the problems arising out of alcoholism or addiction in someone we are close to. We are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Our views are our own and do not reflect the position taken by any particular 12-step fellowship. This is not a substitute for membership of or attendance of a 12-step fellowship. We aim merely to share our experience. If that experience is beneficial, we are pleased. Each week, a number of presenters will present on the step in question. There will then be room for questions and answers plus discussion. The sessions will last an hour or so. During each session, send the organizers any questions you have using the chat function. We're recording this session. Audio recordings of the workshop plus written materials are made available at the workshop blog. Links are posted during the meeting. Today, we're examining the step three idea. If you're following along in your big books, then if you turn to page 60, you'll be just as far ahead as us. I'll start off by giving a formal presentation of my understanding of the step for what it's worth. There will then be other speakers who will go into more detail about how their experience informs their understanding of the step. So I'm going to share a note which will appear on the screen. Uh, all of the materials today are going to be available or are already available at the blog. All of the links are going to be provided during the course of the meeting. So don't worry, you're going to get everything. Now, in this little note, uh, the material in blue is from the big book. The material in black is my own little notes on it. I'm not going to read out the notes verbatim. They'll be there for you to see later on. Uh, I'm just going to riff on uh, whatever comes to my mind uh, in reading this material. So just so we, we can get everyone caught up with this, we're on the step three idea. So let's just have a look at how we got here. First of all, we discovered that there are people in our lives that cannot help but drink or use or engage in other types of behavior, which cause huge problems. They're powerless. We're powerless over them. And certainly, I developed in my childhood lots of uh, unhelpful responses to other people's craziness. And I discovered myself as powerless over those as the alcoholic or addict is over their addiction. So powerlessness, unmanageability. If my preset ways of thinking and believing and acting are beyond my control, I'm not in charge of the course of my life. My wiring is, my programming is, so my life is unmanageable. I come to recovery, I discover people who are fine, regardless of what is happening around them, who are able to respond rather than react. The solution was there in front of me. Then I get to step three. So I, I've decided by the time I get to step three, um, I need the higher power to 
solve the problem of my addiction and alcoholism and my compulsive behavior around other people, my alanonism. But what we discussed last week was that the whole way I had of living was doomed to failure anyway. This list of external demands and expectations, which I had to have met to be okay, but even when they were met, I wasn't happy. To quote George Carlin, to try to get happiness by organizing your external world to your satisfaction is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches to your legs. So this is the point we've got to. We've decided that uh, for the purposes of our alcoholism, our alanonism, we need the power greater than ourselves, but also we kind of need God anyway. So that's as far as we got. So let's read from the, the book, so the, the, the little bit in blue here. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. Here's the principle, we're his agents. Here's the father, we're his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. And I think it's so interesting that it talks about this drama of life. If you imagine a theatre with a plague going, the actors are real, the characters are not. The actors are playing characters. If you go to the theatre, uh, you'll discover the most appalling things happening to the characters. You know, you go and see Romeo and Juliet, you go and see Macbeth. There are fewer people alive at the end of the play than there were at the beginning. I'm sorry if that spoiled both of those plays for you. <laughs> but you meet the actors at the stage door. They're all fine. People who are enemies on the stage, you know, go for dinner with each other afterwards. Um, so if life is a drama, I'm real, but the character isn't, which means that whatever happens to the character, I'm okay. Um, Mark Houston, a very interesting AA speaker would say, let's say you're attached to the character of being the being the husband and your wife leaves you. What is a husband without a wife? The character is dead. Now you're alive, but the character is dead. If you're attached to that character, you will do anything to hold on to that because you believe it's literally you. Imagine being an actor that is so identified with one of the characters that whatever the character is feeling, he is literally feeling himself. He, he's no longer, uh, no longer got that critical distance. And if this sounds a bit abstract, if you've ever been in a work situation where someone criticizes you and or criticizes your work, they're not criticizing you, they criticize your work and you feel like someone has shot you in the stomach, <laughs> this is a sign that uh, this is a sign that you're identified with the character. Um, if you're at a meeting and your sponsee shares and everyone knows this is your sponsee, 
and your sponsee says something that is so dumb it makes your blood run backwards and again bullet in the stomach what is everyone going to think of me when they realize that i am their sponsor they're going to think i passed that ridiculous idea to them i'm identified with the character of sponsor so this new idea is to recognize i am not the character i'm the actor my job is just to say the lines that i'm supposed to say to to follow the directions on stage i'm supposed to follow um that's it and here's the thing if you're the actor this is this is such a relief for me um if you're the actor you don't need to worry about what the purpose of the playwright is or the purpose of the director you'll be told what you need to do you may get some insight into it but who knows really why the playwright wrote the play who knows really what the director is up to which means i don't have to work out what the purpose or value of my life is before i brush my teeth in the morning I just, if it is indicated that I brush my teeth and floss those teeth I wish to keep, then I brush my teeth, I floss my teeth. Who cares what the point of my life is? We'll come to how you cope with life when you don't know what the point is in a moment. But this is it. I'm just the actor. That's all. Here's the principle. I'm the agent. Um, if you come from a commercial background, shipping is a good example if you're a ship owner in seoul in south korea you have agents in every port of the world and the agent's job is to do the work of the ship owner at that port so if you're the agent of the south korean ship owner in in riga uh, or in hamburg um, you arrange for the arrival of the ship you arrange for the ship to be bunkered with new fuel you arrange for the unloading you arrange for the loading you arrange for the crew transfer you arrange for the customs formalities to be completed you arrange for the shipping of the goods onward to their car but it's not your ship it's not your cargo if something goes wrong yeah you need to do something about it but you're paid directly by the ship owner in south korea do you care what happens to the cargo? You've got a job to do. That's it. It there's a a, um, a phrase in Polish. Uh, not my circus, not my monkeys. A lot of my life, I've gone crazy thinking that the circus. I I need to fix the circus because the monkeys are going crazy. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Um. <laughs> here's the father and we're his children uh, which means i'm going to be looked after that's all i'm going to be looked after my job is to learn and grow and play most good ideas are simple and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant art through which we pass to freedom when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. 
more and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn now. This is a dense paragraph, isn't it? Uh, there's a lot in here. Um, to take step three, there are three elements. The first one is to adopt the position. If you've ever received a job offer or a marriage proposal, there is a point at which internally you agree to it. Nothing has been signed, nothing has been said, but you've agreed. You know inside you've agreed. It's the same as this in step three. When I sincerely adopt the position that God is the father, God is the employer, God is the principal, God is the director, I'm the child, the employee, the agent, the actor. That's the first part. The second part is saying the prayer to seal the deal. And then the third part is to uh, get on with the rest of the steps. So if you sign a marriage, if you sign, if you sign an employment contract, it's no good unless you actually turn up at the, at the, at the employer's address on the day you're supposed to. If you accept someone's proposal for marriage, you've got to turn up, you've got to turn up for the wedding. And that's what the rest of the steps are. We had a new employer. Uh, and so it's given us a fourth image here for the higher power. We've had director, we've had principal, uh, we've had parent, now we've got employer. And this is the one that I relate to the most. You go into work, you have your little one-to-one -one with your line manager in the morning, you get your jobs for the day, and then off you trundle to do your jobs for the day. Being all powerful, he provided what we needed. Uh, if we kept close to him and performed his work well, uh, now, that's what what we need in order to do uh, God's will. Um, and my experience is that we're given enough trinkets and satisfactions and pleasures and reliefs along the way. As I said earlier, I don't who knows what the point of my life is, but I, f I feel OK. It's fine. I trust that there is a point. I don't know what it is. I trust that there is one. And somehow, if I let go, I can float through life, just being present in the task at hand. The echo of that line, he provided what we needed, is on page ooh, 87, I think, where it says we pray throughout the day um, uh, to be given whatever we need to take care of such problems when we, when we ask God for what the, the next step is to be. That's what I, my needs are not what I think my needs are. My needs are what are needed in order to do God's will. Much smaller, much narrower. If God's will is for me to be awake and present and a channel for God, I need very little, very little. Um, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. So point number one, our plans and designs are little. 
So however grand they may look in the world's terms, they're just a little figurine in a snow globe. They're little plans and designs. And the whole program for me is about switching from being concerned with my welfare and everybody else's conduct to my conduct and everyone else's welfare. It's a 180 degree shift. Um, uh, giving not getting becomes the guiding principle. The footnote for the uh, for the anons amongst us, which is probably most, if not all of us, is I might look like I'm giving when I'm actually controlling. Uh, Anne Lamott says, help is the sunny side of control. Don't get your help all over people. So this is giving, the giving, the contributing is doing God's will, not enacting my plans for everybody else's salvation. Very, very different. Uh, very often for other people to get well, I actually need to let go. That is my contribution. My contribution is to leave them to it. Let it break around you. Uh, as a friend of mine quotes another friend in Texas, leave him lay where Jesus flang him, flang. Leave him lay where Jesus flang him, step over the body and get on with your life. That can be my contribution. My contribution is not always say something, do something, interfere. Sometimes my contribution, put a blanket over the body and get on with your day. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, we became conscious of his presence. If that happens twice a week, you're doing very well. Um, we, we began, and also sometimes people think the presence of God is gonna be really comfortable. Um, if you've read elements of the Old Testament, you'll discover that the presence of God is not into, not always entirely comfortable. <laughs> you know, apparently bad stuff can, can go down when God is present. So be very, very careful of what you pray for. But sometimes the awareness of God's presence can come in the form of feeling guilty because there's an obligation I haven't fulfilled. Feeling guilty because I've done something I shouldn't have done. The awareness of God's presence is not always comfortable. It's sometimes an intuitive thought, an inspiration, a decision, which will require me to leave my comfort zone, go to another country, as it were, figuratively or literally. We begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow or the hereafter. Um, quick point, when I completed my last amend, I stopped being scared of the hereafter or even of the rest of my life to some extent. I mean, the fears come back and you have to deal with them. You know, hair grows back, nails grow back, fears grow back, fine. But the sense of hurry was gone because I had no unfinished business and then I could relax. Um, and the last, the last point, we were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. In my opinion, that's not a bad prayer. 
it's a good one to have memorized if you have the tendency to oh i don't know think a little too much sometimes just repeating that prayer is a good way of at least blocking out the unnecessary thinking the unhelpful thinking at the very worst you're saying the step three prayer over and over and over again not a bad way to just shut down that old thinking the way the old thinking goes is by if you if you starve literally starve the brain cells in which that old thinking is stored of energy by just redirecting the energy every time you're tempted to go there eventually those old patterns die away the brain repurposes those the the, the material of those neurons that's literally what happens the cells need to be decommissioned for that to happen uh, I've got to not engage in the thinking. And the way I not engage in thinking is by substituting other thinking. If I don't know what else to think, I just pray. That works. We thought well before taking this step. Now it tells us. Now it tells us we thought well before taking this step. Um, before making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. So the point is don't embark on steps four through nine, unless you are minded to finish and finish quickly, like three months max. Don't, don't let it drag out more than that. Because it will open up a can of worms and you don't want worms everywhere. You want a process which is gonna let the, the worms out of the can and enable you to do something with them. Uh, opening up the process and not completing it will leave you in a worse position than you were where you started in my experience we found this very just found it very desirable to take the spiritual step with an understanding person such as our wife best friend or spiritual advisor but it is better to meet god alone than with one who might understand misunderstand i find this a very personal thing i like to do this on my own personal opinion the wording was of course quite optional so long as we express the idea of voicing without voicing it without reservation so you get to reword the step three prayer but don't go crazy i mean it's got to mean the same thing you can't just make up something entirely different uh that won't work uh as it says so long as we express the idea this was only a beginning though if honestly and humbly made an effect sometimes a very great one was felt at once expect that to last for between two minutes and a day uh, reality will then kick in. Make sure you're motoring on your step four pretty pronto after taking step three. Otherwise, you're going to lose the momentum. Um, it's it's like pinball. When you pull back the little the little uh, handle, you want to pull it back as far as possible, let go, and then that energy flows into the ball, which then rattles around the pinball machine. That's what the steps are like. You you take steps one, two, and three diligently. You're creating potential energy which you then release into doing the other steps so use that momentum don't bask at this point or you're you, you're wasting the energy you've built up so uh yeah that's pretty much all i've got to say on that so i'm gonna invite other people to come in now and um, we've got plenty of time we've got uh, fewer presenters than on some other occasions so if you feel if i ask you to present and you want to go on a little little longer that's not a problem if it becomes a problem we'll, we'll let you know okay 
So just trust the process. I know it's difficult for Alanons to operate without timings, but let's let's just give it a go. Let's see what happens if we actually relaxed. Um, Osho, would you like to come in? Hi everyone, I'm Osher. <clears throat> Thanks so much, Tim. Um, I'm making note of the time anyway. <laughs> uh, so what does it mean to play God was the first question that came to mind when I read the, these paragraphs again. And for me, um, early in my recovery, someone told me that it was okay to be angry at God. And so I spent about 12 years being angry at God. That was my relationship with my higher power was constantly telling my higher power that my higher power had done things wrong, <clears throat> that my higher power wasn't reading my memos, <laughs> that my higher power just wasn't doing things the way that I thought my higher power should. And so I share that because um, uh, I was quite miserable for a very, very long time in recovery, doing everything that I was told to do and et cetera, et cetera. And so if you're in that place, my suggestion to you is to listen to the book and to stop playing God. Um, and, uh, and how do we do that? Everything that, that, we, that we just read, um, and, and I'll go into that as well, but the arrogance that I can have of how, how I think things should be instead of accepting how things are, um, for me, that's playing God. Thinking that I know better. Um, I also uh, very much like the employer idea of higher power. It's very helpful to me. Um, I was told recently by a sponsor that, you know, if, if your employer gives you um, a, a uh, you know, a job to do, a task to do, do you argue with them about how it should be done and why it's being done and so on and so forth? And so th the truth is that I don't do very well with authority figures. Um, that's part of my Alana <laughs> issues. But, and so I probably would argue with them, but I get it. In other words, I have this omnipotent, you know, all powerful, loving employer. Am I really going to say, mm, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't really think that's a good idea, <laughs> or that's not really what I think should happen, right? I'm going to say, okay, so how high? Um, and so that's been a change uh, that I've seen in me. Um, and it's really based on, uh, in the agnostics, it says that we had to come to a decision, either higher power is everything or higher power is nothing. And when I truly, truly make that decision, and I, and I sometimes have to remake that decision over and over again and remind myself that, that higher power really is everything. And if really higher power really is everything, then, and I, I truly want to live that way, then I, I, I need to be willing to take this step. And I'm going to talk in a moment about what it looks like for me to take this step. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about the prayer for a moment. Um, the, the second line of the prayer says that, um, relieve me of, my, of the bondage of self that I, better, better, that I may better do thy will. So I like that sentence because it says that I may better do your will, meaning I already am doing your will by any anything, uh, you know, listening to my sponsor, getting to step three, reading the things that I'm supposed to read. Um, you know, at this point, if you're on step three, doing service. Um, you know, trying to do, trying to live according to the program. And so, um, so I'm asking to better do higher powers well. Um, and and that that 
took away some of the beating myself up over how terrible I am at doing higher powers will. Um, I had occasion to take the third step prayer one of the times I went through the steps together with someone else. And we got on our knees together and said the prayer together. And it was a very, very precious moment. Um, and so other times I've taken the prayer on my own. There are some meetings that I go to that read the prayer together as their, as their opening prayer. Um, but that, that was a very, very um, holy, precious, connected moment for me. So how do I do this step? Um, I do this step often by saying to myself, to higher power, maybe to other people, um, okay, I've done everything that I can do that I can think of to do in a particular situation. I think higher power that I've done your will as far as I can go. So now, um, if there's anything else that you need me to do, can you make it very, very clear to me and, and I'll be happy to do it. And if not, I'm just turning this over to you and you're in charge now and I'm not gonna do anything else about it. And so that has to do with obviously any alcoholic or addict in my, in my uh, life who, who's doing things that I think they quote shouldn't be doing um, or that I would like for them to live a different way. And that goes for anyone else, anything that I am powerless over that I identified in step one that is not mine um, I can ask higher power, okay, it's now yours, which means that I don't spend any more time on it. I don't spend any more effort on it unless I'm sure that higher power needs me to do something else, right? And so that's, that's the way that I uh, typically live this step. Um, I want to talk about the idea of abandoning ourselves. Throughout the, the, the first 164 pages of the big book, it does use the word abandon several times. And um, it's interesting because in the in the Hebrew version, um, they don't they don't they don't, they didn't translate it literally uh, abandoning. They they use other words for it. And I I find that word abandoned to be to be very interesting and it really touches my heart. And um, and how do I abandon self, right? And and we're not talking about we're, we're talking about the ego self, right? And so. I, I need to, I, I can envision it, it, you know, when I try a visual and I close my eyes, I can envision kind of turning my back on the ego and facing higher power, right? Um, one of the ones that I use often for step three is, you know, jumping off the cliff, but not enthusiastically jumping off the cliff, but just kind of quietly, peacefully stepping off the cliff and knowing that my higher power will, many of you may know the faith poem, either teach me to fly or provide me something to stand on. But most of the time it's me flying, my higher power is carrying me, you know, and I'm taking that leap of faith that everything is, um, my sponsor often tells me is, is, is not that it's going to be okay, but everything is okay right now. And, um, and for me, that's, that's another way of, experiencing and and um and working step three thanks thank you uh emma would you like to go next uh emma your sound's not working right now uh, see if you can fix that. I'll come back to you in a couple of minutes uh, after the next speaker. Uh, Daniel, would you like to come in? Um, thanks, Tim. I uh, haven't got that much to add uh, to, to the overall idea. I think there's a few different notes that I have around um, the step 
the step three, uh, the last paragraph that you read, which is the step three, uh, what they call the promises, um, has a definitely a lot, a lot in it, um, which I've definitely, which I've experienced in my life, and I'm very grateful for a lot of that. I think um, the first, the first thing, which is the core idea, which is what, what we've been talking about, is that the, the employer and the employee, um, it was put to me in a very simple, yeah, in a very simple terms originally, that Daniel is fired and God is hired. That's it, um, and I, I need I need them to fire myself because um, I did a pretty Daniel, short. Daniel, can I just Daniel, can I just ask yeah. you to be careful with the mic because it's I think the mic is rubbing against something. It's causing interference. It's my fan. I'm going to lower my fan. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. So da Daniel is fired and God is hired. Um, and I and like I said, I did a very shoddy job of controlling uh, everything and everyone in my life uh, for for most of my life and there was a massive relief that happened uh, when I when I initially took that position um, and I've taken the I've taken the third step at different times uh, in different you know I've done the steps a few times um, the third step is something it's it's a step that I have to take every morning for all for, for, for every day I can't I can't not take the third step daily um and uh, what you were saying before tim about repeating it that that has helped me at times um at times of obsession at times of um uh of fears uh, i remember being on a plane and having a lot of fears about uh, what was going to happen when i when i landed and for like the last half an hour just literally repeating over and over the third step um and it really helped transform that um that situation for me, bringing God into the center, as my as sponsor calls it, getting Daniel out of the center and getting God into the center, um, and that's that's critical for me. And another time, um, a really interesting exercise that I was given once by a different sponsor was to go through um, my day and whenever uh, and look at what my plans were and when God had other plans for me, and just note that down. Um, because you know my little plans uh, for everything go that they'll they'll slip in throughout my day, and and very often God has other plans for me, and just noticing that um, it's like letting go of my plans and letting letting God take charge again. Um, and also you mentioned this concept of the 180, uh, Tim. The, the 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 from from facing inwards basically to facing outwards, from everything being Daniel centric. To being world centric and me getting me out of the center um so that's really powerful i did rewrite the third step prayer once when i gave the uh, exercise to a to a sponsee and then i realized that, that you're, you're not really meant to give out exercises without doing them yourself and uh, i can't find it now it's annoying i was looking for it um i, I would have liked to, to have looked at it again but um you know what very often when i say the third step prayer um, I change a few of the words. Um, what, one of the words that I change is uh, very often is instead of saying "relieve me of the bondage of self," I say "relieve me of the bondage of me." Um, one of my old sponsors always said that everything that bondage of me is everything that I put the word "mine" or "my" in front of. That's my bondage. Whether it's my wife, my children, uh, my car, my financial bit, uh, stability, whatever it is that I put in front of. Uh, it, after me, that's the bondage of me, and I need to be relieved of that. 
um, because that's what's tying me down and uh, and holding me back. Uh, and as um, Osha said, that's that's the ego, the bondage of me. Um, and what's tricky as well is uh, you know my difficulties. So um, I can, it, where where is my thought process when I start talking about the difficulties in my life in the second part of the prayer? Um, uh, taking away my difficulties, so there can be a lot of selfishness in that, and it's a very good exercise to look into my motive. Um, and you know, at the beginning, my difficulties could be the uh, the other alcoholics in my life, the people that I'm trying to change. Uh, but um, do I want really them to be taken away, or do I want my uh, me trying to fix them being taken away? It's the same like the serenity prayer. I can't change anyone else. I can only change how I react to things. Um, so it's really good to like get in get in touch with my motives there, and um, and what really are the difficulties that I want to be relieved from. Um, so pretty much that's that's everything I had to say on this. But uh, thanks a lot for letting me share. Thank you, uh, Emma. Do you want to give it another go? Uh, can you hear me this time? Yes. Awesome. Okay, uh, thank you for the shares. Okay, so the first thing that comes up for me is quit playing God. So God is in charge, not me, and I need to drop my demands. And it really was me erasing my script. Um, there is a God, I'm told, and it isn't me, which was very hard for me to hear at the beginning, quite honest. For me, the key was always, my husband has to be sober, but not just sober, sober this way, the way I think, the way he should be doing it, working his program the way I think he should be doing it. So I used to make deals with God. So God, if you if you allow him to be sober, then I'll I don't know, I'll make, I'll give charity or if you make him be sober, I'll say three formal prayers a day. Um, it was absolutely kind of ridiculous. Um, I was totally trying to control everything. So I needed to drop the script, drop the accompanying drama that goes with it. So no, no more trying to cry and <laughs> trying to get him to see my point of view. Um, Bob D says, if um, I'm explaining, rationalizing, defending or justifying, um, I'm in trouble. Um, you never have to do that with what's right. No exceptions, he says, are found. So I had to align myself to do God's will. Really, that means um, a decision. And it was a decision I had to repeat over and over. And the root for me was surrender. Surrender that God is the principle, that he is the father, the director, um, which meant I had to stop making deals. So um, I have this analogy that really works for me. My kids are obsessed with getting a pet at the moment and they have gone through every animal you can imagine. And the latest one is a lion. Now you can understand that I possibly would not want a lion roaming around my house. So fun funnily enough, I say no to this. And I think that's what happens with me and God. I make these absurd demands. I want, like my kid says, I want a lion. I want these absurd demands, God. And he says, I'm really sorry, sorry, Emma. Good guess, but no. And um, I think for me, that's that's something that have felt really right. Um, I'm making demands that are just ridiculous. So I was convinced, as it says, um, I really had to find God and he is there if he sought. So I did what my sponsor said, which was pretty much very intently because I'm a very intense person. Um, so it was that sincerely took this position. I started I started praying. Um, I tried to talk to God throughout my day. And these were the practical things that really helped me. I talked to my kids about God. Um, I chatted to him when I was making my supper, when I was doing the dishes. Um, he was present with me. 
And I started thanking him for everything he did for me. And it was funny because the more I thanked him, the more I had to thank, I had to be thankful for, which started to change my whole view of life. Um, there's a saying in my tradition, this too is for the best. I used to think that if I did, that if I said that, it meant that um, whatever's happening will take away some sort of punishment I'm getting. So it's kind of like this is this this is good, but it's really because it's been taken away from a punishment. And so now I won't be as punished in the long run. And instead, I changed my mindset and I thought, no, this really right now is the best for me. And I thanked God for that, too. And that was really a huge change in my thinking. Um, the other thing I did to keep me close to God was to do contemplative thinking, which I obviously, being such an intense person, took to an extreme um, quiet time. Um, I took a line out of a spiritual reading or the big book or Psalms, and I would roll it around my head and see what came up with for me. I started to look for the spark of God in others. And it was amazing when I started to see that in others. I saw how beautiful people were, how beautiful nature was, and especially, which was actually surprising at the time, how amazing my husband was, which was something that came out of all this. For me, it was also working steps, honestly, um, having no secrets for my sponsor, being of service, that was a very big one for me. Living a different way, asking constantly, God, how would you have me be? And saying a million times a day, if I could, uh, thy will not mine be done. I did these things over and over and over and over. Um, it wasn't so natural or so easy for me, to be honest, um, but I did take it seriously and I started to find him very present in my life. I learned to start to trust that I could hear his voice in different ways. So I would be at a meeting and hear something, go out and hear something in a shop and then hear something from one of my siblings. And it was like the lessons were coming at me and I was open to hearing. Uh, eventually I could actually start hearing in my head, yes, God, I hear you. I can hear what you want me to do. I didn't always like it, but I could hear it. There's a lovely promise that says I, lose, I, I, will, um, I begin to lose fear. And it was actually true, which was kind of strange for me that I could see that some of the fear of my life started to go out of it. I'm actually petrified of the dark and um, I could not be alone because in the dark because I was frightened that something would happen. And I learned to be alone with myself in the dark. And that was a big deal for me. That's the joy of taking this step seriously and doing the work that follows. Um, in the third set prayer, it says, relieve me of the bondage of self. I needed to have God come in and change me. Keep pressed to it. Keep pressed to the work. Do what I needed to be doing. Um, the other part uh, that uh, says victory over them may bear witness. I was inspired by a lot of other people. Um, I was uh, who came before me. And I hope that that's the thing that I can inspire others. But really, the thing I learned that I really got this step was when I was able to give it over to my sponsees. When I could teach, I really understood that I got it. When I felt that not teacher, but I could give my experience over, then I felt that I'd something had clicked in my head. Um, I'd just like to end, if that's OK, with a story I heard recently in an AA talk. And it really brought to me this whole process of step three which was a man was driving in his car and he says to he says to God God please give me sobriety anything I need sobriety I'm desperate and I'm miserable God appears in the car and he says he says right God says to him how much do you have in your pocket and he says twenty dollars so God says okay the cost of your sobriety today is twenty dollars the man thinks a second he goes hang on a sec I can't 
give you the $20. He looks at the petrol gauge. I need it to fill up my car. So God says, ah, you have a car. Okay, so the price of sobriety is your car and $20. He says, God, you can't do that to me. What about my job and my house? I won't be able to do that. And the God says, ah, you have a job and house. Okay, so the price of sobriety today is $20, your car, your job, and your house. Is where my kids gonna live? Ah, so your price of sobriety today is $20, your, your car, your job, your house, and your kids. He goes really quiet then because he doesn't he knows he's getting himself in a mess. And God says, is that a deal? And he goes, uh huh, uh huh, because he's frightened to speak. And God says, OK, then. So I'm going to give you sobriety and this is what you need to do. We got a deal. And the man's nodding because he's frightened to open his mouth. And he says, this is my twenty dollars. And spend it the way I want you to spend it and I will give it back to you. And this is my car. Go where I want you to go. Do what I want you to do. And that job you have, show up. I want the biz I want you to do business and treat people right. And your house, live in it the way I want you to live in it. And your family, treat them the way I want you to treat them. And here it is, here's your sobriety. And what's the difference between the old life and the new life? It's the same everything. The difference is who's the boss? Who owns it? I show up and everything I do is about service. It's just not about me anymore. It's about what I can give. That's surrender. I show up and I do what I'm needed for. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you. Um, Michal, would you like to share? Oh, oh but actually, before you come in, Michal, um, so there's a question. What, what are the ways you can get the job assignment from the employer in complicated life situations? So this is also, you know, how do you know it's God's will? Um, so maybe hopefully some of the people who are yet to share will start to answer that on the blog i've posted five articles uh which go some way to answering that question so there are resources posted on the blog on that anyway michael take it away thank you i'm sorry tim where's the question what's the question the quest the question is what's the basically how how do you work out what's god's will in a complex life situation. Okay. Hi, Michal. Um, thank you for this opportunity, Tim. Uh, first of all, awesome shares. I, I just have gained so much so far. Thank you, everyone. Um, I don't know if I could really answer this question. Everything is God's will, you know, unless it's my will. That's that's just the bottom line, you know, if that's that's really a simple answer. I had a sponsor, she's not alive anymore, but I really got a lot from her. She would always tell me this program is simple but not easy. And so this program is laid out for anyone, you know, maybe you heard stories about people who who didn't even know how to read like people had no education could pick up this book is, somebody could even read at them if they don't know how to read and they could learn how to do the steps and learn how to apply them to their lives if but they have to they have to be willing that's it you just have to be willing to let god into your life i love that last story that was really really um um I don't know. I saw. I saw how how it could how you could how you could let everything go to God and with that story. Anyway, 
I guess I'm just going to touch on a couple of the sentences in in the big book that that was um, in the in today's reading. That um, that the big book is has a bunch of promises that you know when you, when you do the steps you promise that you get to experience these things. So one of the sentences, one of the promises, it says more and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. So I always thought that I was like a real big giver and super efficient. And I was, and I am um, probably like a, a powerhouse type of person, if you want to call me. Um, but anyways, doesn't matter. So the point is that I remember somebody once in the in in the program sharing that she would, as a parent, lock herself in the room for two hours so that she could have have the ability to parent properly. And I thought like that there's something there that doesn't ring right to me. Look, I'm not judging. You know, that's what worked for her at the, at the moment. Um, but that, the point is, is that how effective am I being as a person? How much am I giving as a person? Or how much am I really giving to get? And the, and the previous um, page talks about playing the actor and how we can um, manipulate and be extra nice and be extra kind or be super mean or be, you know, the, the, the grouch and the brainstorm or whatever you want to call these um, describing character traits of, of a person to get what you want. And uh, I find that in my experience working with others, including myself, working on myself with this program, is um, as an Anon, many Anons look to others to take care of them. I looked, it's, it's kind of a natural tendency of mine to look to others to take care of me all the while I'm taking care of others, but I'm looking to others to take care of me. And the problem is when you're when you're living with an you know addiction, you could be looking to unhealthy people to take care of you. It could be okay. I don't know. Maybe it's okay to to, to get like uh, healthy people to take care of you to some degree, but but whatever it is. So I without the program I would look to the to the addict to take care of me, and it would just totally the whole thing just created so much chaos and so much um, confusion that I ended up not being effective or helpful to others in the long run. So what I had to do was teach myself how to take care of myself. And the simple thing for me is I found that. Um, this this some like these uh two things are so important to me is sleep enough sleep and health and proper eating and i know that it sounds so simple but i see that so many people are not walking are walking around with not enough sleep or not are not eating properly um when, when they come to the program and I find, and I'm talking about like, say you don't get enough sleep that night, set aside an extra hour in the day, not five hours or not 10 minutes, but an hour, half an hour to an hour is a good sufficient time to get rest so that you could take care of other people properly or other things or other um, obligations 
And the same thing with food is set aside proper time to, to nourish yourself. I, I'm not experienced with overeating, but I imagine that there's all types of stuff going on there that, uh, whatever, I'm not going to talk, talk about that because I'm not experienced in it. But um, um, anyway, I'm kind of going on a, on a ramble here. What else? I, I also just wanted to talk about, um, um, what was the other thing? Oh, success. We, later on, the next couple paragraph talks about success. And I, I found that um, if I write myself a script and share it with somebody that's healthy in my life, a script is for a successful mother. I have a script for a successful wife. I have a script for a successful employee. I have a script for to be um, a successful sponsee, a script for a successful sponsor. So, you know, in, in a nutshell, it doesn't have to be to the minute, but like what, so, and then I remember Tim once shared with me for as a sponsor, as an employee, as an employee, what, what's being successful is doing what's asked of me. And it's it shifted my my um, perspective because I ha I thought I had to get everything right and I had to read everyone's mind and I had to uh, be the best at everything whatever it is and I had to get the best raise and I had whatever it is that's totally out of my reach and it just went when I can focus on what's asked of me and it, it feels good. I recognize that, you know, when you, when you can recognize the success, what, you know, also a script of being God's, God's servant and like these, these, um, you know, his child, all these things that he, he being, letting him be my director that, you know, that's, I, I've never written a script for that. So maybe, I'm not going to tell you like what Daniel said to do something <laughs> that I haven't done, but um, but I like that idea of, of writing a script of being letting God be my director, what that looks like. And um, anyway, thank you for this opportunity and thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Um... Uh, I'm going to try and get th uh, three more people in. So if you could stick to about three minutes, that would be great. Um, Devori, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, it's Devori. I'm there. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Thank you. Um, thank you for all your shares. It's um, extremely helpful to me, and I'm really enjoying these meetings. Um, for me, uh, in my experience, to quit playing God, um, my trouble is when I think that I know everything and I know what needs to happen. And the surrender for me is is letting go of that idea. Um, in fact, in all these roles that are here about being the director and the principal and the father and the employer, I mean, in all these situations in my life, I I struggle because I... I know, and I know what needs to happen, and I will try and get my thinking in. And for me, this step is to um, repeat to myself and to contemplate this idea and to think I know nothing and God knows everything. I don't know what needs to happen. And as soon as I let go of what I need 
what I think I need to happen, that's when God can come in. And for me, this this is the bondage of self. This is that idea that my ego is telling me that only God can relieve me of it. Um, and I, um, I find that I get the clarity comes in when I when I let go of my when I surrender and when I stop and say I don't know what needs to happen but everything right now is perfect everything right now is how God wants it to be it's just me who's who needs that direction and say God give me direction um, that is where I'm opening myself for direction to come in and it doesn't come in straight away. It really, it's. It, I kind of have to wait for it, which is really hard for me because I, I, I really need to know everything right away. But the, the, as I say, more will be revealed. It does come when God needs me to know what I need to do. Um, that clarity comes in as long as I'm letting go of what it needs to look like and what shape it needs to take. And um, I need to take this step very often. Um, I spend time with it every morning um usually when i'm still in bed and i think through my plans for the day and um this is a line i got from sandy b um god this is what i want my day should look like what i want should happen take all these ideas and do with them do what you want with them because these are just mine and i don't want to live my life according to these ideas but I'm I'm open to a new direction, and uh, it doesn't last the whole day when I do that in the morning. It can last a little bit of time, and then I need to stop and do this again and say, "Thy will, not mine, be done." Um, God, what do you want from me next? Because I don't know. Um, uh, I I sit with a third step prayer. I also um, have another prayer that says, "God, I don't know what I need." I don't know what's good for me, what's good for anyone else, and what what needs to happen for my best spiritual and experience. But you know everything, so um, I'm open to where you want to come in and show me in your time what I need to do. And the more I the more I sit with it, that's that's when these promises happen. Um, a new power comes in. I'm not living with that amount of fear, and some fears just go because a lot of my fears is that what I know needs to happen won't happen. And when I let go of that, that's when um, I don't have that self-reliance, and it's being reborn for me. Thank you for listening. Thank you. A question that came in uh, was essentially about: um, Can you make? How do you make prayer more meaningful? um should you rewrite it rounding formulaic i've posted on the blog excerpts from something called practicing the presence of god by brother lawrence which is 17th century but it's originally in french it's a, it's a modern-ish translation which is highlighted in certain passages now it's a christian document but it's not it's not jesus it's not denominational the ideas within there almost all of them would uh work equally well in other religions as well. So there shouldn't be anything too disturbing there. But as with anything else, if the ideas are helpful, use them. If they're not, don't worry about them. But what he talked about particularly was basically talking to God all day long. So not having to wait for special times to talk to God, 
but um, uh, maintaining the relationship the whole time, talking to God in a very simple, plain way in your own language. Um, we've got a couple more minutes. I'm going to get one one more person in. Uh, Razy, would you like to share? Hi, it's Raisi. Um, thank you for your shares and for this workshop. I'm really grateful. I really like the part that I'm not an actor, um, just a character, and to follow the directions of God. Um, and my needs in order are in order to do God's will. Um, and I just and I just need I just need again to realize how much little I need. And I'm really grateful for that. I think my sponsor made me write in the beginning of this step um, a list of everything I have and everything I want and it really just gave me the the it just showed me the kindness of God that I have so much and more than really I could imagine and it gave me such a big gratitude towards my life towards what, what I have and it it's it was also good to realize that he is the father he is my father he's waiting for me to communicate to him to pray to him um, usually when I come to my sponsor with something she would usually ask me like have you have you prayed for have you have you prayed yet um, and if I haven't, she would like, okay, come back to me and see if you have any issues after that. And usually if I seek, if I seek God, I find him. Um, for my experience that just, just to, to let go of myself well, to say this prayer in the morning to, it's a closeness to God, to be able to just ask him, take away myself away and just to relax, take it easy and just see what comes in for me. Sometimes it's a spiritual reading or sometimes it's hearing, connecting to other spirits and, repeating god i know nothing you know everything show me what to do so um thank you for letting me share and coming on the call thank you for listening thank you i'm afraid that's all the time we've got today um uh next week we're going to be starting on step four we're going to divide uh step four into five individual sessions um, the first session is going to be on the introduction to step four and the so-called first three columns of the resentment inventory. So check out pages 63 to 65 of the big book. Uh, as usual, full materials are going to be provided. So uh, thank you to everyone for participating today. I've really enjoyed it. And would you please help me close using the serenity prayer? Feel free to unmute yourselves and join the cacophony. God. Wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. Thank